And so let us pray. All those thoughts and words that come from you, will you bless them and make them fruitful? And all those thoughts and words that come not from you, but from our own vanity, will you please forgive? Amen. And so firstly, may I say what a great joy it is to be here. Thank you so much, Mike, uh, for inviting me, uh, especially on this fantastic uh, occasion uh, as Steve leaves, leads, the, leads others out to Christ Church. My God, you are bigger than I thought. And what a great God we worship. A God that is often full of surprises. And a God who communicates us to, with us so brilliantly uh, through words of Scripture. Now, it was not me who chose the gospel reading from today for today. But those verses from John 21 are one of my favourite bits of Scripture. And they have been an enormous comfort for me and given me wisdom and strength through the many changes of my life and in my ministry. Particularly at times when God has called me to change direction to move my nets from one side of the boat to the other. But more of that in a moment. You know, when life gets difficult, when we become a bit lost, when we become a bit confused and a little afraid, when the changes of life are not what we wanted or even think that we deserve, we often just tend to run away. We try to go back to the way it was before, to something safe, to something that is familiar. Often we revert to the old patterns of behaviour and thinking. Even when we know better and do not want to go backwards, it seems so much easier than moving forward. And Peter and the six of the other disciples, have, they've returned to the sea. They've left Jerusalem. They've come home to the Sea of Tiberias, to a place where it all began. Discipleship, the upper room, the cross, the empty tomb, the house with its locked doors are now some 80 miles to the south. And Peter decides to go fishing. He knows how to do that. It's familiar and it's comfortable. Perhaps it takes him back to a life before he met Jesus and the others are quick to join him. My hunch, however, is that Peter's not really trying to catch fish as much as he is fishing for answers. We can leave the places and perhaps even the people that are part of our life, but somehow we can never escape from ourselves. Wherever you go, there you are. That must have been the case for Peter. He may have left Jerusalem, 
but he cannot get away from three years of discipleship or from the Last Supper or the arrest or that charcoal fire, the denials or the crowing rooster. He cannot leave behind the cross, the empty tomb, the house with its doors locked and the echoes of peace be with you because they're still ringing in his ears. And so he fishes. He fishes for answers. What have I done? What were those three years really about? Who is this Jesus? Where is he? What will, he, what will I do now? Where will I go? What will happen to me? Peter is searching for meaning, for a way forward, a place in life. Peter is dark night fishing. I expect most of us will have spent time dark night fishing, asking the same questions as Peter, looking for a place in life, seeking peace and some sense of understanding and meaning. I can clearly remember a period of my own life that was full of dark nights of questioning as I too searched for peace, for a sense of understanding. I had lost everything and I was utterly desperate. My business had crashed, a major client had suddenly, without notice, pulled out their financial support, leaving me and my business partner personally, financially exposed. I was facing bankruptcy and there seemed to be no way forward. More often than not, those dark night fishing happens in the context of our failures or our losses and in the sorrows of our life. It happens when we come face to face with the things that we have done or perhaps the things we have left undone. We've all probably been there, fishing for answers in the darkness. And then, you know, one night, as I was just about to fall asleep, there through the dim light of what could have been the dawn on a misty morning on the Sea of Galilee, there in my room, I saw Jesus standing there. I felt just as if I was with those disciples in their boat, squinting through the mist, trying to make out Jesus standing there on the shore. People have often asked me what Jesus said to me, but there were no words. I was, however, filled with a deep sense of his compassion and love and an overwhelming conviction that all would be well and that the dark night would soon be pushed aside by the hope of the dawn of a new day. Children, you have no fish, have you? Jesus says. 
That's more of a statement of fact than a question. Jesus is not asking for a fishing report. He's commenting on the reality and the emptiness of Peter and the other disciples' lives. Peter is living in the pain and in the past of Good Friday. He's fishing on the Good Friday side of the boat, and the net is empty. There are no fish. There are no answers, no way forward. The nets of dark night fishing contain nothing to feed or to nourish life. I wonder if those disciples have been fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Jesus seems to think so. Cast your net to the right side of the boat, Jesus says, to the resurrection side of the boat. This movement of the net from one side of the boat to the other symbolizes the disciples' resurrection. It's the great Passover. Jesus calls us to move out of, the, of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. And in doing so, we see and we proclaim, it is the Lord. And emptiness gives way to the abundance of a net full of fish, large ones, 153 of them. The darkness gives way to the dawn of a new day. I knew that night in my room, I knew I needed to move my nets to the other side of the boat. I knew that it was to be a brand new beginning of a new season in my life. Not just an end to my financial darkness, but that my life was to be forever changed and that I needed to commit to offer myself fully and totally to Jesus Christ. And so began the long process of discernment that ended with, with ordained ministry, always secure in the memory of that encounter with Christ. But what would, it be, what would my life be like? Where would I go? I had no idea, but I knew that a new charcoal fire was kindling hospitality in place of the cold ashes of denial and rejection. The Last Supper had become the first breakfast. Confessions of love had overcome denials of fear. It is the Lord. The dark night fishing is over. Good Friday is real. Pain, death, sin are a reality of life. But the greater and final reality is the Easter resurrection. Follow me, Jesus says, and live as a resurrected people. Follow me and fish in a different place. Follow me and build my church and tend my sheep. And so today, as we prepare to send out friends to join Christ Church, we do so in the light and the hope of the resurrection, and we do so in the certainty 
that we are all called to share with the world the good news of Jesus. John's gospel is forever packed with symbolism, meaning that you can read those stories on so many levels. The fish represent both a means of financial well-being, the catch is transformed into cash at the market, and at a deeper theological meaning that will hopefully resonate with those who are being sent out to join the congregation at Christchurch. We are casting our nets to catch people's hearts with the good news of the gospel. Light and dark are incredibly important in John's gospel. I'm sure you remember that as Judas gets up from the table at the Last Supper to betray Jesus, we are left with no doubt that his motives are certainly not benevolent, as in the very next verse we are told that it was night and the darkness has fallen. And then in today's gospel, the dark night gives way to the light of dawn, a great symbol of the resurrection and of the nets full of fish. And so as our friends head to Christchurch, they go taking with them that resurrection light and the hope of a new dawn and of new beginnings. And then finally, that charcoal brazier of Peter's betrayal is replaced by the charcoal fire of hospitality and forgiveness as Jesus and his disciples share breakfast together. How many times have we, in our words and in our actions, betrayed our Saviour? And yet, despite all of that, there he stands on the shore of our lives, offering forgiveness to our repentant hearts and welcoming us to share in the banquet of eternal life. And so to Steve and to all who go with you, you go with our love and with our heartfelt prayers. And so may God bless you as you seek to do his will and to build his kingdom. Amen.